Hi there, and welcome to episode two of the T21 Mom podcast. My name is Mary, and I will be your host. Each episode, we will talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley. She's six years old and rockin' an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome, and I am living life my way. Today, my friend Ron joins me. He's the one who actually suggested I do a podcast. He tells me he's learned so much about Down syndrome just from our informal chats and my Facebook post. Welcome, Ron. Hey, Mary. How's your day? It's going awesome. Excellent. Thank Excellent. You. So what are we talking about today? Well, today in episode two, I thought we would talk about receiving the diagnosis. Okay. Because everyone who has a child with Down syndrome has a diagnosis story, either a prenatal diagnosis or a birth diagnosis. And what's really interesting is depending on which diagnosis you receive, you always think that was the better way to receive it. Oh, really? Yes. So you've so you probably talked to a lot of parents who mm-hmm. have received it in both ways. And those are the only two ways, like prenatal or at birth. Nobody, I mean, nobody sets out to... Well, lots of people adopt. Okay. See, and now there, there's something I hadn't thought of. Yes, lots of people. And we can talk about that in another episode as Excellent. well. Let's, yeah. put that in the, let's put that on the list. Okay. That sounds awesome. All right. How far along were you in your pregnancy before you got the diagnosis? I think I was about 17 weeks that I received the diagnosis. I had gone for an amnio, as I mentioned in the first episode. Uh, I had the amnio and I knew what day I was going to receive the phone call. And so I had asked my good friend Trish to come and stay with me. And she had worked a night shift. So I pulled out the bed in the second room and so she could sleep. And I kind of figured that, uh, you know, they would do the bad news calls, in quotes, first. You know, so I'm waiting around all morning, Trisha's sleeping, and she said, you know, wake me up when you get the call. And I remember another friend called me, like, I think around 10, and I'm trying to hurry her up off the phone, you know, and she told me later she was wondering why she was, I was trying to get her off the phone. And, but the call never came. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe, like, there's no news. No news is good news, right? And at about 12.30, Trish was up and we were kind of debating whether to go for brunch or whatever. And I have really bad reception in my condo, in my, particularly in my kitchen. So we actually were about to leave and I looked down on my phone on the counter and I could see that I missed a call. And I knew what call it was. So I took a deep breath and I called the number back and waited to hear what they were going to say and she told me what was going to change my life and I don't even remember her exact words but I'm pretty sure she said you know your baby has trisomy 21 and I think I actually thanked her and hung up the phone and I just bent over the counter and cried and Trish was sort of at the end of the kitchen and she kind of just let me have my life-altering, really ugly cry moment because in that moment, my whole life had changed and I just felt like I was in this deep, dark hole that I was never, ever going to get out of. And I kept thinking, you know, I'm doing this on my own. How much harder does it have to be? And so then we had a big, long hug 
and uh, we went for brunch <laughs> because what else were we going to do? And when uh, in doubt, go for brunch. Yes, when in doubt. And then I even went. Uh, we even went shopping for maternity clothes after, which was a little surreal. I remember thinking, you know, I'm trying on maternity clothes. I should be really happy. And it was it was a really dark time, but uh, you know, eventually I came out of that time. I'm going to assume there was a lot of private tears and private moments of despair and oh. things like that. So, as I think almost every person who receives a prenatal diagnosis says, "Why me?" Like I'm thinking, this is going to be my only child. I'm doing this on my own. I don't have any parents. I don't really have a lot of help, and now I have a special needs child. And, you know, I, yes, a lot of ugly crying and, you know, and I remember before I got the phone call, I remember like praying, like, please don't let my baby have Down syndrome. You know, I was already in love with Bean, you know, and I had such grandiose plans for us. And I kept thinking, you know what? Praying is not changing anything. You know, my baby either has Down syndrome or doesn't. And turns out that Ainsley did indeed have Down syndrome and I remember going to work the next day and I sat at my desk and somehow I found the number for the National Down Syndrome Society and I called and I left a message and to this day I do not know how they even understood the message because I couldn't stop crying during the message I'm sure this is the kind of message that they get all the time and I left them my address seeking information and about a week later I got a packet of information and a book called gifts and I'll talk more about that in a later podcast because it has some additional meaning to me that that book but it took me a while to be able to read it but you know I surrounded myself with my little village and I just told those few people uh, that my being had down syndrome and we carried on your village how big was your village because I know there's probably some listeners who are going I got literally got nobody how how big was your village you know, it wasn't... And did it grow? You know, it wasn't huge. Like, I had, I told my family, and I was so heartbroken that the only way I could tell them was through email, which is terrible, because I can't even imagine being on the receiving end of that email. And I remember my aunt, who's my mom's uh, sister, she's my only... Um, my mom has passed away, and and my other close aunt, she has also passed away. You know, and she kept saying, Mary, it's going to be so hard. And I said, I know. But, you know, and I think my family, they were sad for me. But, you know, we put on, well, put on my big girl panties and you just (laughs) find out everything you need to know. You start calling around. You find people who maybe have some information that can help you. I called a couple different organizations and one organization she she called me it was a little bit later in my pregnancy and we talked for a long time on the phone and she actually congratulated me and it just felt really weird to hear that congratulations like what congratulations that I'm having a special needs baby no congratulations that I was having a baby I realize now how important that is to hear that but I'll I'll never forget it but you know, it took me a long time to get out of that dark, dark hole. And, you know, but I did read. And as I said, talk to people. And I eventually realized it was going to be okay. And farther along in my pregnancy, I did read the book Gifts. 
And I read all these different stories from other moms of kids with Down syndrome. And I think that was sort of when I really realized, you know what? It's going to be okay. And it's been okay. More than okay. So did your village close around you? Did they leave you space in the beginning and then close around you? Did they, were there different reactions from different members, you know, of, of your tribe? My tribe. You know, I had a few close work friends who, you know, had been coming to my appointments, who knew that I my desire to have a child, knew what I had gone through to even get pregnant. And so they were the ones that I told, you know, there weren't, they weren't that many, maybe maybe eight and then uh my two close school friends Jill and Marcy and my family so it was a pretty small group who actually knew because as I mentioned in uh the first episode is I really wanted people to be happy for me I I I wanted to be able to control the message because what I was doing was very different than from what most people do to have a child, you know, and I didn't know any single moms by choice. And I also didn't know any moms of special needs children. So this is a whole new world for me and also for everyone around me. But, you know, everyone supported me, you know, it provided me with a good support system. You know, they allowed me to have my bad days. You know, I, it wasn't a bed of roses for sure, but as time went on, it got easier, but there were still some hard days and, you know, and I remember uh, another friend at work and she said, you know, you're having a baby and that's something to be excited about. And that's what I wanted people to be excited about is that finally my dream of becoming a mom was coming true. If, you know, if you were to give some advice to or your benefit in hindsight, your wisdom from experience to people who have just got, just received a diagnosis or some people that don't necessarily have because there was a lot of outpouring for you mm-hmm. amongst your friends and, and not everybody has that mm-hmm. kind of a network. They don't have a tribe. They don't have a village. Where would you suggest that they go for help? If, like I say, in, in hindsight, because you know, you've spent a lot of years now creating these spaces for people by being so supportive and vocal about Ainsley's journey and your journey. Mm-hmm. So where would you suggest that, that somebody goes for, if they don't have a large network yeah well first off never google just down syndrome because all you will hear are bad and misleading things so but there's tons of blogs out there that people are blogging about their life and what i've read numerous times from people excuse me and hearing from people is that that really helped them because they could see how normal people's lives were and and again, the Down syndrome diagnosis network, they're there to support people throughout their pregnancy and up to age three and to connect them with birth groups. So you can be with same people on the same journey as you. And, you know, they're having babies around the same time as you. And if I was to meet somebody who had a prenatal diagnosis, I would look them straight in the eye and say, it's going to be all right. And give them a big hug and tell them you're going to love on this kiddo like you've never loved on a child before. And it is so true. And many times I hear in, you know, the Down syndrome community is that you're now part of this amazing club that you certainly never thought or wanted to be a part of before. But, you know, I think we've got a great community out there and great supports for expectant moms and moms who've just, or families really, who have had a birth diagnosis. Because everyone's diagnosis experience is different. I've heard of terrible, terrible stories of a birth diagnosis 
And um, many people who've had a prenatal diagnosis, you know, they weren't even, they were just talked about, talked to about termination, which is a doctor trying to make a choice for you. And one friend I know, her doctor told her that in 15 years of practice, after their son was born, that they were the only family that had chosen to carry on with their pregnancy. Um, and by the way, we're going to put some links to some of these resources on our webpage, t21mom.com. And you can look for that under episode two, and in, excuse me, and in the resources section at the top of the page. So getting the prenatal diagnosis, what what is involved in getting that diagnosis? Well, for me, I, I had to go for an amnio because what's out there now is this really simple blood test called the NIPT or NIPT. It's non-invasive prenatal testing. And, but that was just coming on the market when I was pregnant with Ainsley. And so I had had the quad screen, as I mentioned in the first episode, which has horrible inaccuracies. So it was advised because I'm the kind of person that, that has to know, I need to know so that I can plan, you know, for some people, you know, they, they would rather be a little bit in oblivion and wait until the birth because then they can enjoy their pregnancy. Sort of go with it. Yeah. But you know, once I got over the initial shock, I had the most amazing and beautiful pregnancy. Like I've just never felt so vibrant, beautiful, alive in my life. It was amazing. But I did go for the amnio. Uh, There is some risks to it. It was, I think, one in 200, but I'm going right now, my risk is one in five. So one in 200 isn't a big deal to me. And, you know, it is painful, but it's short. And the nurses were really uh, wonderful there. And as I had previously mentioned, my friend Marcy came with me and fully supported me with that. And I think it was, I think here it doesn't take that long to get the results. I think it was just a couple of days, but then they called me about two weeks later to tell me that what type of Down syndrome it was or trisomy 21. And Ainsley just has the most common, it's called non-disjunction trisomy 21, which is just random. There is a couple different other forms, like there is an inherited form, which is a very small percentage. Generally, people are a balanced carrier and they don't know until they have a child with Down syndrome. And that's often how they find out about it. And there's also mosaic Down syndrome, which is where not every cell is affected uh, with the extra copy. But Ainsley just has the boring old trisomy 21. Boring old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Makes her special. She's special. She's one of a kind. So now once you receive, you went for the amnio, you went through that process of the waiting for the phone call, the phone mm-hmm. call showing up when you least <laughs> sort of in that process of going before brunch. Yeah. Um, you know, after that, telling your family was difficult, uh, easy. I mean, we, in the pre, you know, in episode one, we talked about, you know, there was basically mother's day. You had the conversation with them and you could hardly get the words out. How really internally difficult was that? Like crying is a very physical thing. Mm -hmm. How internally difficult was it for you to decide to make that announcement on Mother's Day to the family gathering? Well, on Mother's Day, it was just an announcement that I was pregnant. Ah, okay. But Mother's Day is on Sunday. And then it was Tuesday, I believe, that I got the call that it was one in five. Okay. And then I went, uh, so I went and talked to the doctor that day and then I had an amnio I think 
I can't remember how much longer after it was that I had the amnio. A couple of weeks, I think, because I think the nuchal fold testing is around, gosh, I can't even remember because it's so long ago. Probably, I think it's around 12 weeks. So there is a little bit of a time period there where you're just, like, as I said, praying that this is not the case and then realizing, you know, the baby either has it or doesn't. Praying's not going to change anything right now. But, and then it took me a while to tell my family. I was, it was, you know, in a pretty dark spot there. I just, I think that's probably when I really felt so alone and Marcy and Jill and Trish, you know, they were all there supporting me. But it's still hard. I still had to get up every day and go to work. You know, I still had to talk to people. I hadn't even announced it that I was pregnant. And and I was just on the verge of starting to show. And it was around 20 weeks. I go, I can't really hide this anymore. And But that was around when, like, I guess, yeah, I'd had the amnio at 17 weeks. And then at about 20, I thought, well, I have to tell people now that I'm pregnant. And that's sort of what around when it started being okay you know but I still got 20 more weeks to go and you know you have to go for a lot of various testing because you have this diagnosis because you want to make sure that your baby's okay and Ainsley was she was totally healthy no health issues whatsoever except you know as I mentioned in the first episode about her low oxygen saturation levels but other than that she was totally healthy with no heart problems or reflux anything like that so I was really lucky that way and I find for me anyways is reading researching talking to people who know and I think for any moms out there or any parents is find other parents because they will tell you what it's like they will they can empathize with you in your situation because they know exactly where you are everyone has been in that dark dark place and wondering if you're ever going to get out but I can tell you that there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel might be hard to get there but it's definitely there what did it mean to you to know that you were having uh, a DS baby or down syndrome baby or baby with baby with down seat now that's me again being people first language people first language yeah no it's all about education right yeah exactly (laughs) I'm open to education. So when you first, what did it mean to you to know that you were having a baby with Down syndrome? As I thought, I don't know anything about Down syndrome. You know, I don't think I'm cut out to be a special needs parent. And I think it was after Ainsley was born, I think, one good friend, she said, you know, out of all of us, you're the best person to have a child with special needs. I go, really? I don't have a partner. I don't have any parents. Like, really? You think I'm the best? But, you know, and I know that she meant that in the most loving way and as a true compliment to the kind of person that I am. And I think, you know, it really makes you a stronger person. And it's, wasn't the death sentence that I thought it was going to be you know as I mentioned I had all these grandiose plans when I was pregnant you know what I still have those plans for Ainsley they might look a little bit different but in the grand scheme of things they haven't changed I still want to travel the world with her take her to places teach her different things I want to teach her how to bake cookies all of those fun things that which I- and, and I'm going to just put something in here is is you do make the best cookies <laughs> in the world <laughs> thank you hands down uh, the only person that I've ever seen come close to you is a is a young girl up the street who sells cookies and 
cupcakes at, at our various community event in my little community here but by you know head and shoulders you are the <laughs> best cookie maker thank anywhere you. <laughs> thank you so you know and it's just I think parents have to realize they, they have to go through that grieving process we all say you know take time to grieve and some people get over it quicker others you know not so much and a lot of people they have to wait until the baby's born to really come to terms with it like to actually see that you know what down syndrome is just a part of who my baby is it doesn't define my child it's just a part of him or her and then you can actually see your baby and so the reality doesn't become tangible until you can actually hold the baby yeah 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 so i mean and every parent is different and every person's grieving time is going to be different and how they do that is going to be different but you have to do what's right for you but I just think it's really important to try to you know reach out and try to meet other people who've been down this road before you because that's how we learn and you can see that it's going to be okay there are groups out there that they will do this they will help bring you into mm-hmm. a conversation they will help to bring you to like maybe a meeting uh, to meet other parents mm-hmm. uh, and what sort of organizations are you had those did you not find I, out about those till later or it was kind of farther along in my pregnancy I, I think the local down syndrome organization they arranged for a woman to call me and i met with her i think when ainsley was around two months old and then another mom had called me like i guess i was probably about i was pretty close to having ainsley prop like you know maybe only a month away but you know we have a little play group that we go to every month and um a friend from that I've met through the playgroup, she does what's called baskets of love. And she goes and delivers a basket full of love to new parents, generally in the hospital or if they're at home. And, you know, I so wish I could have had one of those baskets because I think it would just make such a huge difference meeting another mom who's so excited to meet your baby. Because whenever we see babies at our playgroup, you know, we're passing them around. Everyone can't get enough of them. And just to connect with this other mom who is going to assure you that it's going to be okay. There's going to be some hard times for sure, but that's the same with any children, but it's going to be okay. And there's a lot of sharing of information and Mm -hmm. not in the internet, Facebook kind of sense of sharing (laughs) information, but uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of, we tried this, we tried that. Yeah. Um, You know, wouldn't eat strained peas, whatever, Mm -hmm. what, what were some alternatives, like really parenthood stuff yeah and I think that's really important that you because some of us are going to face some of the similar challenges that you know when Ainsley was a baby and it's very common in babies with Down syndrome is they have a really hard time with feeds because it just their muscle tone they have such low muscle tone it would take an hour for Ansley to drink a little bottle and then and then I was having to pump and it was horrible and you know, so we were trying different things, but I think if I'd had a little bit more of a network at that time, probably some people could have given me some different advice on, on things to try. And, you know, just hearing from other parents what worked for them. Lots of times kids, you know, they have really bad reflux or what have you. I mean, Ainsley didn't have any of those issues. She was just a really, really slow eater and, you know, would sleep during, you know, keep falling asleep because she was so tired. And, you know, and just to be able to talk to other parents, like, how did you do it? Like, how did you get them to feed faster? Or what can I do to help her? You know, because yeah, it's stressful for me, but it was also, you know, 
hard on her because she's having such a hard time you know feeding herself and I remember the doctor kept saying failure to thrive and I'm thinking is she gonna die you know like it sounds so ominous but you know she just wasn't gaining weight fast enough and she was a chub to begin with but she's still a little bit of a chub too (laughs) but she's cute she's definitely cute (laughs) so with these parent groups can somebody who's just pregnant come and sit in mm-hmm. at these points like we do would you, do, love do you, do you have a, a means social media or you know what you're doing with your podcast here uh is there a way to reach out to these people is there like the like the down syndrome diagnosis network the down syndrome society yeah like i think the best way is to contact your local society i don't even sure how i gotten found out about our our play group i think someone in the hospital told me about it a nurse I remember writing down all these different organizations and yeah we would totally love to see a pregnant a pregnant mama there at one of our our play groups just and then she can see what other kids are like and and how they're playing and and there's there the typical kiddos are there as well because they're the siblings the brothers the sisters the cousins the yeah. whatever yeah and we would welcome them with open arms because we know this journey and we know that at times it can be really hard and you know i'm so glad that i had a prenatal diagnosis because it allowed me that time to grieve the, you know what i thought was the typical child and also to research because then I think when you have a birth diagnosis, it's kind of overwhelming because you weren't expecting that. So then you're grieving, but at the same time, you got to you got to look after this newborn that may have some extra challenges. You got a really steep hill. Yeah, yeah, and but you know, each person's different. I just know for me, it was better like because I'm a planner and I like to know. And for me, it was better to find out before Ainsley was born. And you know, there was a lot of doctors. I think some of them you know, wanted to see a, a child with Down syndrome being born that we actually actually knew about. And also just because there's other precautions. But, you know, it was, it just really helped for me to plan and to be knowledgeable of what, what I thought was coming. I mean, you won't know everything, but, you know, and then once the baby's here, you realize, yeah, it's, she's just a baby. Just like all the other babies, but with an extra chromosome. Special. Well, we sometimes say special, but sometimes that can be well. Like... And, and uh, you know, I meant that actually in the because really she's plus one. Yeah. Right. Typical people have the twenty chromosomes. Forty six. Yeah. Forty six. Okay, and then there's the twenty. You know, T twenty one. Yeah. Right. Is you've got an extra one. Yeah. So she's got forty seven. Yeah. Yeah. So she's special plus one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's an amazing little girl, and you know. I honestly feel that she's really made me the person who I was always meant to be. And, you know, there are hard days. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it or lie. I mean, there are some days that, you know, I don't really like Down syndrome. But, you know, I remember a good friend saying sometimes it's just an hour at a time, five, you know, or day by day, or even an hour by hour, or sometimes just five minutes by five minutes. And that's always stuck with me because sometimes when you're just having a really hard time, I know that tomorrow's another day and that in an hour things will have passed. And, you know, I don't have to always like Down syndrome, but it is who Ainsley is. It's a a part of her, but, um, and we have our challenges, but we work with it and we're doing okay. Maybe you could just have a, we'll cover this more in a later episode, but the challenges of a typical parent, the challenges of a Down syndrome parent of a child with Down syndrome. 
so as a parent of uh, a child with Down syndrome, as opposed to a, you know a, a typical parent, what are some of the things that you have to watch out for with Ainsley? A typical a child. Typical child. I mean, it's sorry, okay. it's just a, the terminology sometimes baffles me <laughs> in how it is. But well, I guess because a lot of times people will say normal, but we, right. we like to say, well, my child is normal. Right. But she has Down syndrome, so that's yeah. why we use the word typical. Well, I've always had a problem with the word normal anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Who's normal anyways? <laughs> exactly. Typical, again, seems to be more normal. And so if you're yeah. speaking in mathematical terms, this would be like, the, what, the 98th or the 99th percentile or whatever. So I'm just going to say this. A child, a parent who has a child without Down syndrome and a child that, with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. what are some of the extra things that you have to look for day to day with Ainsley? Well, I think initially the first year was tough, you know, yeah, I was off for a year, but you know, it's a lot of early intervention, you know, the feeding was very, very stressful. Like I had previously mentioned, we were in the hospital for 26 days and she ended up with an NG tube, which is a tube through the nose to help with her feeds. And I remember one doctor at the children's hospital actually told me that she couldn't go home with that. I'm going, what? I, I just wanted to get out of there. 26 days, it felt like two years at that point. I mean, it's all a distant memory now, but it was, I think I went home, I think one night during that time. So, you know, feeding, you know, which you generally with a typical child, like you could probably breastfeed pretty easy. I was only able to a little bit with Ainsley. Uh, just, you know, I found out at the age of two or two and a half from the dentist that she had quite a severe lip tie. And he asked me about breastfeeding and because it impacts her ability to be able to put her lip over, to be able to breastfeed or over a cup. And I had no idea. And we had a lactation consultant, a breastfeeding doctor, all these specialists. Nobody ever looked at her mouth. And that's something I always tell parents now, if they're, if they want to try to breastfeed or if they're having trouble to check for that because and would, how, how would you check for that like, it's a pretty what is it? it's like the piece of tissue that joins your lip to your mouth okay and um ainsley's when the dentist showed me i i go yeah it's huge i didn't know that's what it was i'd heard of tongue ties but i had never heard of a lip tie and so things like that like the feeding and making sure they have enough tummy time when they're a baby and i always remember Jen, who is our fabulous uh, support worker, she always said, okay, work on things going to midline. You know, I always remember that was one of the first things she had told me. And, you know, we had nurses coming in in the first couple of weeks after we were home, you know, just checking on her. They also had to do a check on her heart after she was born, even though the echo during in utero was fine. They still had to check for that. And yeah, those were some of the bigger challenges. And also she was really, really floppy as a baby. And I was quite in denial how floppy she was for quite a long time because she couldn't sit upright. I think she was nine months when she finally was able to tripod sit, which is where she supported herself with her hands. And she didn't really sit unassisted till about 15 months. So those, those are hard. Like that's a long time to wait for those milestones, you know, but when you get to those milestones, they're big and you celebrate big and and everyone in our community will tell you that like when you have a typical child oh yeah they sat up yay and you clap and then you just move on to the next thing but when 
when your rockin' kiddo does something like that, it's it's big. And you're so proud of them because they have to work so much harder. And Ainsley works so hard at all her therapies. Like just a couple of weeks ago, this is on a, a little bit different tangent, but her aide came to um, her speech and OT appointment because it was a pro D day. And she said after, no wonder she's so tired after because she works so hard. And, you know, and she had a real, I think she had a, a lot more respect for her after that when she realized like what they um, make her do during those appointments. So, you know, in the first couple of years are tough. It's a lot of different therapies, a lot of physio. And if you're, if you're having trouble feeding, then you have a speech pathologist involved. It's not just about speech. It's all about like, you know, what's going on inside the mouth, like feeding and eating and and all those things so and I guess the throat and the cheeks like all of that all works yeah. together right so and it can be really overwhelming you know especially you know I I was a single parent and doing everything on my own and you're relying on other people's knowledge to to steer you in the right direction and hope that it's that it is the right direction so what are we going to do in episode three well episode three we can talk about the run-up for Down syndrome. Excellent topic. Yeah. One of my favorite events. Mine too, because you make cookies. <laughs> so I make cookies. <laughs> I went to the farmer's market on the weekend, and the, the guy, the musician, goes, there's the cookie lady. <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about that story at a All right. So we'll talk about that next time. Okay. On our nef- next episode. Next episode. All yeah. right. So let's wrap it up. Well, thanks for listening to episode two of the T21 Mom podcast and I would love to hear from you. How are you navigating this journey of special needs and Down syndrome? How are you doing things your way? Drop us a line at info at t21mom.com and t21mom is all one word and let us know what's going on in your life. Keep loving on those rocking kiddos and we will see you next time. See you, Mary. Thanks, Ron.